Welcome to Not in a Huff with Jackson Huff, where we interview newsmakers, storytellers, and all-around interesting people. Sit back, relax, uh, unless you're driving, and enjoy the show. Here's Jackson. Hello, hello, hello. I am Jackson Huff. This is Not in a Huff. Thank you so much for joining me today. I'll tell you, I have a really, really great guest today. I'm interviewing Dan Williams. Now, Dan, he has an amazing story. He went from open heart surgery to running and winning three medals, three gold medals in the Senior Olympics. Now, I'll tell you, I was just so inspired to to speak with Dan. Um, Really great guy, super friendly, super welcoming, super open to to talking about his experience. overcoming everything that he he went through you know with his you know open heart surgery to to getting out there and uh and and winning those medals uh, it, it was just a, a really inspiring conversation and and i was i was honored to, to speak with him and uh, i i do w- without a doubt know that uh those who listen will will be inspired as well whether it's uh to get out and and be a little more active um well, you know, I, I was going to say whether it's to, to be more active or, or not, but, but really um, hopefully it inspires you to be active, whether it is going out and, and running, you know, a, a marathon, which, which is, is hard for most, or whether it's just being, um, you're just a little more active, maybe just walking around the block. Um, but uh, I, I really in, enjoy speaking with, with Dan, and I think that you'll enjoy uh, hearing from him. So with, without uh, further ado, here is my interview with Dan Williams. I'm speaking with Dan Williams today. Dan, how are you? Hey, doing well. Doing well, Jackson. Thanks for having me as a guest. A- absolutely. Thanks for coming on. So I guess the, the big headline is you, you went from open heart surgery to gold medals in the Senior Olympics. So if we could just kind of tell me a, a little bit about that process. Obviously, we're going to get you know, way, way deeper into it. Uh, but tell us a little bit about your, your background that led you to, to that Oh gosh. Um, yeah. How do I get from A to Z? Right. Yeah. <laughs> with, well, with lots of stops in the middle, I'm sure. Lots of stops and twists and turns in the middle. You know, I guess the, you know, the new heart for life story, which is my brand, um, both figuratively and literally uh, from the open heart surgery, uh, the backdrop to it and the context for it is the day that I entered the veterans hospital um, December 1st, 2012. And I entered that hospital uh, expecting to walk out of that hospital that day, later in that day, as an outpatient. Uh, I went in for a stent procedure. I did have some issues that were going on, and uh, they felt that a stent was the best remedy. Uh, and during that stent procedure, um, you know, the Houston, we have a problem type of mm-hmm. a scenario ensued. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had multiple heart attacks on the uh, stent table. Cardiologist, uh, of course, I was sedated, but as it was relayed to me, literally threw his hands up and said, I, I, have, I have no clue what's going on and what's happening. Now, this is a cardiologist, somebody who's in the medical profession and has been for some time and very skilled and knowledgeable. And he made the phone call upstairs to the head heart surgeon, who was teaching a class at the time. And I apologize to those students that were in his class, but he closed it down right away, came down and um, 
basically was very, very concerned. Uh, they ballooned me up that night to keep me alive. And then the following day, I went through a nine hour operation of which they lost me twice on the table. Uh, I had pneumonia going in to the operation and I was also on blood thinners. And so to cap off, you know, part one of a two part story. And I think it just really reflects it very well is my doctor in consultation with my four daughters and the love of my life, Karen, uh, said that he never, if ever, operates on a patient with open heart surgery with any one of three conditions. One blood thinners with pneumonia or who recently had a heart attack or heart attacks. And they wait, you know, when it's a lot safer. And so the question came back to, um, to the heart surgeon. Well, why did from one of my daughters, why did you operate? Why did you proceed and operate on my dad? And he said, I had no choice. Your dad was going to die. So mm. through the courageous efforts of a heart surgeon, prayers and support from family and by the grace of God, I was able to um, um, six weeks later, six, six weeks later than I had planned, but I, mm. I did walk out of that hospital on um, January 5th, 2013. Wow. I, I'm sure, you know, your, your family and everyone else is glad you did definitely with what you've done since then. So, I mean, do you think that if you wouldn't have, have went in for that procedure and got the, the stints that something you know, bad would have happened while you were sitting on, on the couch? Was there, was there an issue in there or did the stints kind of just excel everything to, uh, to a really uh, a deep level? Because I know you said you walked in just fine. So I know a lot of people, obviously, when they're having major heart surgery, and I could be wrong, correct me if I am, um, you know, go in with already having a major heart attack and, and go in in, in an ambulance. Yeah, it's a, it's a great point you picked up on. I you know I, I try to I try to kind of skirt over over all the detail, but the previous week I did have a heart attack, yeah. and um, it was um, and so I was in the hospital, uh, Veterans Hospital in Martinsburg, West Virginia. It was uh, there's different gradations of heart attacks, uh, but I definitely had one. I had pneumonia at the time, uh, and so their diagnosis diagnosis and recommendation was that I would go in for a stent procedure and that they do those in the DC hospital. So um, I was in the ICU unit for a week and that's where they were, had me on blood thinners. And so there was, an, there was a trigger event that necessitated me going into the hospital that morning on December 1st. That makes sense. So you've mentioned the veteran hospital, so I don't want to, I don't want to skirt that over that. So it sounds like you were in the service. So we thank you for your service. You're very welcome. Absolutely. So uh, for people who, you know, have, don't have a family member or don't know anyone who has, has dealt with, you know, massive heart issues or, you know, massive heart operations, tell us a little bit about that recovery process. I know you already mentioned that it was a six week process just in the hospital. So what is it like to recover from a, a surgery like that? Mm, mm, nothing, nothing, <laughs> nothing that I would wish on, on anybody. It, yeah. You know, my, my situation was that, you know, when you, when you, when you, when you are prepared for it, in other words, 
back to what the doctor said. You know, he waits until conditions are as ideal as they can be, and then they operate. Then they have time to prepare you, you know, for, you know, the po post-operation, what's going to happen, your recovery process. And naturally, I had didn't have the benefit of really knowing anything about all of that because it was such a um, urgent situation. So my um, Jackson first recollection um, after going being sedated during that stent procedure, it's the last thing I remember. Five days later, um, I was they had me in an induced coma, and so. What was the process? Five days later, I awoke. My wrists were tied to the bed rails. Hmm. I was intubated. And I had no clue where I was or what was going on. I couldn't speak. Um, and to say I was afraid or fearful would be a great understatement. I was terrified with a capital T. And hmm. There was a doctors around my bed and there was family members around the bedside, if I can recall. Uh, they had tubes and I mean, it was just, um, it was just horrific situation. So um, I obviously started to understand what had happened and um, the recovery process from then on out was they were more fearful of the pneumonia taking me down and out but it was it was a triple storm they couldn't close the reason i was in a in a induced coma is because uh i i had a lot of internal bleeding they couldn't stop the bleeding so they couldn't close me back up which would be the the normal process mm -hmm. so they they kept me um kept me under for about five days until things calmed down and then the immediate process was, and this is for any patient that's in the hospital, especially with heart condition and it's been laid down and not moving, um, and add on top of that pneumonia, is they want you to walk. So I, you know, as I talk about, you know, part two of the story, you know, and I, and I, the new heart for life story in terms of my fitness process and program and accomplishments and my passion and purpose in life, which is to inspire people that it's never too late to change. Mm -hmm. And you don't have to go through what, what I went through. I talk about, and I have 21 principles that I've incorporated into a digital book. And part of the, part of that process and one of the principles, I think it's principle number two is goals, have a goal. So in the ICU unit, the cardiac ICU unit, my first goal, it was Christmas time, right? It was probably around the 20th of December, I guess. Um, and my first goal, Jackson, was to make it to the end of the hall to the artificial Christmas tree and to make it back. And keep in mind, I, in my 20s and 30s, because my passion has been running, although I took a, <laughs> I took a sabbatical <laughs> for 35, 40 years from running, I had run three marathons. Um, in my late 20s and early 30s. And I can tell you that walk in terms of your question about the recovery process, getting out of that chair and walking down to that Christmas tree and back paled in comparison to running any one of those marathons. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I bet that's, that's really, 
I'm sure that was that was quite the accomplishment after everything you had been through. So, I mean, we can we can kind of start moving into into the second part of your story. You know, you were talking about the accomplishment of, of being able to walk at that point. Once once your recovery really really hit its stride, then obviously you you literally went from running to or excuse me from walking to running. So so tell us a little bit about what inspired you to get back into running. Was it just you know wanting to to stay healthy so you didn't you know, you weren't having health issues later or, or what inspired that uh, passion to, to begin running again after that, you know, you said 30 or 40 year, uh, you know, gap. Right, right. So this is the part of the story that is, um, are you kidding me, Dan? You did what? <laughs> and, and what I did was I did get back to work as soon as I could. Uh, after any kind of trauma of that sort, uh, it, it took me, it felt like about six or seven or eight months till I even felt internally whole again. Mm. Um, so, you know, I slowly got back into the mainstream and then here's the part of the story that is, are you kidding me, Dan? And that is, I started to slip back Jackson into my old habits. Mm. I didn't exercise. I didn't, I wasn't eating correctly. I was under a tremendous amount of stress. I was leading sales teams in the high technology world at that time. And I had the, you know, the perfect formula and I was, you know, this was Groundhog Day. I was going back and creating, you know, the same type of situation that I, for the grace of God, was able to, um, to be, you know, to have survived. And so people would say, well, Dan, let me understand this. You went through all of this, your family, your friends, your loved ones, all that trauma yourself. And you then started to slip back in old habits and started heading back in the same direction. And yes, I did. And I think that's a lesson that um, what is our bottom? And, you know, my bottom just didn't happen to be that horrific situation. And uh, what my bottom was, was a lot more benign than that. It was at the dinner table one night, feeling bloated, not feeling good. And of course, when you're not in shape and you're not doing the things that you should be doing, you know, the committee in our heads are always talking to us. I mean, there's chatter there. We just have a great ability to ignore it and push it back. And so I had the, you know, I had those voices in my head. So I kind of knew it, uh, that I was heading down the wrong path. But what happened, Jackson, was uh, my bottom was not the coma, wasn't the open heart surgery. It wasn't all the pain and the suffering and the anguish that I brought on to myself and to other people. It was at the dinner table one night, I literally um, heard an inner voice and I pushed myself back from the dinner table and that inner voice said, what are you doing? you are in extra innings. You've been graced with a lease on a new life. And Danny, you're not going to get a second chance. Mm -hmm. And that was my bottom. And that's when I made the decision, which back to the 21 principles is principle number one, decide, right? And I made that decision deep down inside. And the decision, as I talk about it, is twofold. It's okay to make a decision, even, and then that decision has to be very profound and very deep and very driven from within. But the decision part two is you have to take action. 
So I started to reconnect with my passion of running. I started to walk for five minutes, which turned to 10, which turned to 30, started to jog for 10, 40, got up to maybe an hour. And then I was very, very blessed to have come across a master's track team with a coach and a team. And that led me back. And now we're talking about my first competition in the Maryland Senior Olympics was in 2016 in August. And uh, my first race was 100 meters. And I took the bronze medal. Uh-huh. Uh, second race the next day was a 400 meters, which I had no business running. I wasn't in shape for it. And this is, <laughs> this is um, part of my journey and my lessons and what I tried to, you know, inspire other people to do, especially, you know, I am right now, um, I was 67, 68 at the time. I'm 71 now. Um, so I've got, you know, a 67 year old body at the time, you know, with a 16 year old mindset. So I got injured. I was able to get under the guidance of a coach and teammates. And now I am, uh, I'm living my life in reverse and I'm just, um, blessed to be, um, able to not only keep fit and to enjoy my daughters and my family and Karen and life and appreciate life and have a tremendous sense of gratitude. But I've got the extra bonus of, I really do believe that there things happen for a reason and that my story, my journey um, happened um, and came about for my purpose in life. And now my purpose in life is for others to have a new heart for life and to understand that it's never too late to change and you're never too old in order to accomplish your goals. And so um, I just am um, just full of gratitude and um, happy to have dodged many, many um, close calls. Absolutely. So are you, you're, I assume you're still competitively running, correct? Correct. Right. Very good. So I, I, I don't know too much about, you know, the, the senior Olympics scene is, is that something that most states have? Because once I read, you know, that you had competed in the Maryland singer, excuse me, Maryland senior Olympics. I, I, it's not something I'd heard of before. Yeah. And nor did I, I mean, and this is part of the story too, that when you make that decision and you're, you know, got some purpose and passion and action behind that, things will open up to you that you never could have, you know, predicted. And master's competition was one of those gifts that I became aware of, you know, as I started to, to plod down on this journey. And um, t- it's um, 50 years or older, typically, mm-hmm. uh, 50 years or older. And it's not just track and field. It's a, a multitude of sports. And I'll, I'll give you a good example. Last June, uh, which seems um, June of 2019, which seems about 30 years ago. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we met uh, in Albuquerque, New Mexico. There's national and international competitions for masters. And there was 13,000 of us out in Albuquerque. And certainly track and field was, you know, one of the sports. But, you know, they had golf. They had bowling. They had this phenomenon called pickleball, which is the fastest growing sport in the country, you know, for 40s, 50s and over, um, and maybe even younger. So Masters, there's a ranking. So I can go out on a website and I can see where I'm ranked nationally, where I'm ranked in the world. Um, So it's a very serious business of people that men, women, 
that want to kind of reignite with their with their youth. And uh, it, it's just a fascinating, fascinating group of people. Um, have uh, enter, just Google Julia Hurricane Hawkins. Uh, she's 103 years old. She ran mm. 100 meters in Albuquerque and she's got these red rosy cheeks and nothing but spirit and life and just camaraderie and friendship that um, is just icing on the cake. Yeah, that's, I love that. I love that. So do, is there, I mean, is there age groups or are you 50 and over? So the 50 year old is racing Hurricane Hawkins. <laughs> Great question. Uh, this is the only time where, you know, I mentioned my age of 71. Uh, you, you know, you, you know, I can't wait to get in gain another year. That gets me closer to the next age bracket. Yeah. Right? <laughs> so uh, there are five year age groups. So I'm in the 70 to 74 group now. So mm -hmm. I'm kind of on the, on this side of it, but I, I couldn't wait when I was 69 to turn in 70 was a really big deal, you know? <laughs> so you got, you got to go to that next age bracket. I did. Julie awesome. didn't have much competition in her age bracket, but um, <laughs> had she had any competition, um, I mean, you can only imagine being, you know, when I was running track in school, I was a quarter miler and I ran um, close to 50 seconds, 50 point something. Mm. Now, just to give a perspective, um, if you're under 50, you know, you're, you know, you're going to be uh, competitive uh, on a collegiate level. The world record's 43 seconds. In my age group right now, for the 400 meters, um, the world record is 58 seconds, 58 seconds. So, you know, there's this, as the body ages, you slow down. I mean, we all know that, but you can literally see it in the statistics. Um, so uh, there's 58 seconds in a quarter, quarter mile. That's, that's moving. That, that is moving. For sure. Yeah. I, I'm, I guess I'm kind of surprised that, you know, the difference between a collegiate athlete and, you know, I guess some, someone who is maybe just a little bit past that time is only 10 seconds. That's really very, very impressive still. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's amazing. So, um, yeah, that's the master's world. And, and I'm a veteran, as you mentioned, and mm -hmm. one of the, one of the events I was planning on going to Toronto for the world championships in July and in Madison, Wisconsin, shout out to anybody that's from Wisconsin. That's yeah. listening. Uh, <laughs> I was, I was looking forward to visiting your state. Um, and the veterans, uh, has have what they call the golden age games. So same scenario, 50 and over five-year age groups. And I was going to, um, I took up uh, swimming hmm. and um, the long jump. So I was going to compete the 200 meters, 400 meters. And I was going to, um, I was really looking forward to the swimming events because I really never was a competitive swimmer. But as I was being clocked by my, um, by my veterans coach, um, I was close to bronze medal category. And, um, and which was very exciting because it complements my, you know, the running in terms of just overall fitness. And I was very excited about that. But as we all know, a lot of things got canceled and veterans golden age games was one of those events. 
Yeah. Well, I mean, it, I, I'm sure, hopefully, it'll it'll happen at some point. Let's just pray that we get back to the world that we can, you can do that before you move on to the next age bracket, I guess. <laughs> exactly. Meanwhile, <laughs> um, and I think this is a testament to, you know, we compete and we love the competition. We love the events. I love meeting fellow athletes of like-minded spirits. And, you know, you've heard my story. Well, I've got no, no monopoly on stories. I mean, there are stories out there I'm of sure. comebacks that, you know, could just, um, you know, would, we all have our, our, our own little struggles and big struggles that we go through, whether it be cancer or heart disease or hip replacements or knee injuries. And now we've got athletes that are, there's a book called Growing Boulder, you know, I actually met Mark Milton, the author of that book, and it's all about, you know, the paradigm shift of what we thought we, a 60-year-old or a 70-year-old or an 80 or a 90 or 103-year-old would look like. And we are shifting that, that perception with athletes like myself that are showing that it's motion or medicine, and we're choosing motion. Yeah, no, that's, that's really good. I think, you know, I, a lot of, a lot of older people, you know, I've, I've got, I've got grandparents on both sides of it, that one, one side, super active, you know, and, and super healthy still. And then some that, you know, aren't very active and, you know, they are on the, the medicine track. So I, I think that's a big thing, motion or medicine, never heard it put that way, but I, I really like that. So you, you had me look at, at your website, you know, I, I'd looked at it, and I noticed that you, you know, you have this story in a condensed format by the American Heart Association. So how did they get a, a hold of your story and, and how did that come about? Uh, one of my um, work colleagues was, um, knew somebody on the board of the American Heart Association. And so she um, heard my story and knew about it and she saw me. <laughs> pre-heart attack and after heart attack and started to understand what I was doing on the, on the com competition side of things. And so she mentioned it to uh, one of the board members at the American Heart Association and uh, they picked it up um, and branded the, the, the new heart for life uh, to inspire others. You know, I'm in their survival gallery right, with other survivors, but you know, it's really, you know, another concept of, of what we're all about is prehabilitation versus rehabilitation. Mm -hmm. Life's going to come at us, especially the older you get, life's going to come at us. There's no doubt about that. But the more fit you are and the more in shape you are, the better you can warn off heart disease and other, other illnesses um, versus, you know, there's another track that I'm working really hard to stay out of. And that is a slow, slow decline in health and being in senior care and just the emotional and the financial and the physical toll on that. So the, the concept law of threes will be the third concept is live long, Healthy, fit, active, quality, quality life, die fast. Yeah, that's that's kind of the goal. It's to 
I guess maybe keel over, keel over during, during the race at 110 rather than, you know, spend time in a nursing home or something like that. Exactly. Exactly. Absolutely. So you're, you've, you're kind of touching on it now, but I did want to ask you, you know, general advice and it's probably some of your, your 21 principles, but general advice that you give people who, you know, maybe listening to this, don't have a very active lifestyle and, and want to, want to, you know, be inspired to, to be a little bit more active. You know, I, I, I would hope that, you know, your, your own health and, and making your life live a little bit longer is inspiration enough, but it's, it's not always, it's not always for, for everyone. They don't see that big picture. So if you would just give us some tips for, uh, you know, just the entry level thing, you know, the, the couch to 5k type stuff, obviously no one's going to be able, <laughs> no one's going to be able to go out there and, and win the gold, you know, on day one, but they just need to get up um, on day one. Exactly. And what I share with, um, in terms of my experience is this, this is not easy. You know, I don't want to make, I don't want to sugarcoat the, what, 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 you know, we, I talk about this competition and training and I'm keeping fit now, but it is not easy, uh, even in the best of shape and with the most motivational spirit that you could have and passion. There is the comfort zone that we tend to fall back into. And even the best of athletes struggle through this. Now, we see them on the podium, but we don't really see what goes underneath it. So what I say is connect with a passion and to do that, think about your childhood. Think about what you did naturally that you had fun with. And mine just happened to be running. But if you can connect with something that you're passionate about that you enjoy, because there's going to, it's not a straight line. You know, there's going to be ups and downs and it's going to be challenging. So in order to stay in the game and to keep one of the principles, consistency, be consistent you need to really connect with something that's purposeful, that's passion, that you have passion for. And then you can start along these 21 principles with the first one, making the decision, taking some action. Second one will be have a goal and you know, it's, it's your goal, right? So you're only competing against yourself. So your gold medal might be walking around the block twice or three times. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's, it's all relative to your situation. So I talk about some of the principles in terms of, you know, that journey. Um, one of them is rest and recovery, or I use one word principle, so recovery. So, you know, let's not get overboard with this. I mean, the body can get its strength more from a rest day or weekend and can benefit from that more than again going out there three days in a row and overdoing it. Mm-hmm. So it is a roadmap. And um, it's not something that, especially with our egos, and I'll speak for myself, you know, have somebody that can be out there that you can be accountable to that can say to you, no, we're not doing that today, right? Yeah. You're, you're, you know, we're going to take it a little bit slower because unchecked and without accountability, then um, it's going to be a rough road of injuries and disappointments. And then what could happen and what does happen, Jackson, is people go, you know, I'm done. You know, this, this oh. is not worth it. 
100%. Yeah, you see all those people on, you know, January 3rd at the at the gym <laughs> for the New Year's resolution going at it hard. And by January 7th, they're like, I'm in so much pain, I cannot handle this anymore. And then right. you see them next right. year again. Yeah, exactly. no, I think that's, that's huge. For, for me, also, and, and you're, you're way more healthy than I am, that's, that's for sure. But I think the big thing is not to make you know, being active, a, a chore, like if right. you, if you drive, you know, drive to the, the high school track and, and walk around the track, I think you're going to think about every step, but if you drive to the, the park and go the same distance and, you know, walk through the woods and, you know, you're now you're on a nature walk, you're still, you know, you're still making those same steps, but not to make it a chore, I think is the big thing. I know, you know, e even in my own life, I do a lot of traveling. So to kind of tie traveling into this, you know, mm -hmm. when I, I go to a new city, I can, you know, at the end of the day, look at my phone and I've walked 10 miles and I don't feel like I've, you know, walked at all because I've been doing something all day, but to be at home and now you're going to tell me I'm going to walk 10 miles. I would be like, right. absolutely not. Yeah. yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's a mind game. And, um, I talk often in the 21 principles principles about the comfort zone and the committee that's at work and how to trick the mind. And, you know, one of the tips that I give, and I, of course, you know, I didn't, I didn't make this stuff up. It's like, I experienced all of this, right. Now, you know, I don't want to go to practice tonight. You know, um, why don't I want to go to practice? I'm in good shape. I've got a coach, got teammates. Like why I, I always feel good after practice. So why wouldn't I go? beforehand right so i'm not a psychologist um but there's this committee that's you know constantly at work and so what i what i suggest and what i did was to trick the mind is just get my running shoes on you know just get my uniform out the night before practice and what happens is when the mind views a challenge that low the resistance reduces as well. Mm -hmm. So it's basically in a, in a um, kind of a surreal way saying, okay, hey, so he's, so Dan's getting his shoes on. So no big deal. I'm, I'm going to, I'm chilling, but Dan says, Hey, I'm getting them ready to do a 400 meter three intervals of that. Uh, and then a couple 500 meters whoa, I don't think we're ready for that today. So trick the mind is to set small goals and take baby steps. And then you can overcome that resistance. Yeah, yeah. So if you would, we, we've touched on it several times, but tell us just a little bit more about um, that, that book you have coming out, The 21 Principles. You know, we've, we've touched on principles, but I guess more on on you know, overarching and how people are going to be able to find it. Yeah, so it, it's a project that evolved um, during this downtime. And I didn't set out to um, write a book. I have written a book previously um, on another topic, but I never really said I'm going to write a book about running. So this downtime that we had, um, my biggest fear was to, you know, really become complacent and to slip back and and, and the old habits, although I still try to keep fit. So what I did, I took, um, I looked back and thought about the things that, and the lessons that I had learned through this journey and those had helped me. And 
I am a big believer in the most complex thing in the world is to keep it simple. Mm-hmm. So I said, if, if I'm going to convey this story and I'm, I'm going to try to share with people my experience and how I went from A to Z, then I've got to do it in a way that is got is two pronged. One, it's got to be really simple. So I made them one word principles. Mm-hmm. And, and two, it's got to be somewhat of, of a kind of a, a roadmap. But more importantly, it's got to be something that applies universally. So although I use as a reference point my track experience, the principle is with accountability to if you not to have a track coach, you know, not everybody's in a situation, but to pick a partner, your 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 wife, your husband, your children, and say, here's what I'm gonna do. Because having accountability is a principle that you can apply across any fitness discipline. So I wanted to make it simple with one word and I wanted to make it universal. So it wouldn't be a situation where they'd say, well, Dan, uh, I don't really do track. And you know, you're, you're, you're scaring me with this 200, 400 meter stuff. But if it's walking, those same 21 principles apply to walking as they do to training for 400 meters. Uh, I think that's helpful because I'm sure there are people out there that that would just be scary. Not to say that, you know, down the road that they're not going to be able to move into to running, but just to know that they can start with walking and then, you know, move on from there. That that's, that's helpful. So you talked about, you know, finding a, a partner. Um, you know, you, you've talked about your, obviously your, your life partner, obviously they're, they're very supportive of you. Um, but uh, where are they at in, in the running world? Are you, are you getting your wife to, to do a relay with you? Uh, no, no. I'm, although she, uh, she's a walker. She's a power walker. I can't, yeah. I, I, I can't even keep up with her on a walk. I, she, <laughs> she, she just exhausts me. No, they're, it, they're just, uh, they're all supportive. My daughters, um, you know, it's, it, the story has changed that, you know, how's dad doing, right? Uh, poor, beautiful daughters. And they're like, they've, they've lived through this story, part A of the story. And, and now they're kind of like when all the Smashers competition came about, their thinking was, okay, well, I did check with my doctors. And by the way, before you go on any endeavor like I did, I checked with my cardiologist and said, here's what I want to do. And I'm ready to go. And you know, he gave me the green light. So certainly check with the medical staff um, yeah. to make sure that you're in the clear. And they kind of looked at me like, well, as the doctor said it was okay, dad, then I guess it's okay. But I think <laughs> they looked at me like, whatever, as long as you're happy. But now Jackson, the story is reversed. And, and now what's happening is my daughters will give me a call and say, dad, you know, I just saw your principal on, um, I'll pick one, right? Um, journey. And I loved it. And I'm going to sign up for a 5K. And I saw you, I, I, as a veteran, I just finished a what they call um, 22 push-up challenge. And it's uh, 22 push-ups a day for 22 days uh, for uh, veteran suicide prevention. Yeah. And um, it's a little bit like the ALS uh, ice bucket challenge, you know, yeah. about six years ago. Yeah. So they go, Dad, I saw you doing the push-ups. That was great. So m- What's happening with the family, both with Karen and my children and my close friends, is they're starting to understand that this is not just Danny trying to try something different or he's on a new, a new kick. It's um, 
it's a lifestyle change. And it's a change that um, I'm doing it not for the metals that are sitting upstairs collecting dust. I'm doing it because it allows me to live a more vibrant life. I can spend time and be energetic with my grandchildren. And when I talk about the 21 principles, one of the principles, Jackson, is happy. Yeah. That although there is work involved, it takes dedication, it takes commitment, it takes lessons, it takes consistency. You have to be intentional about it. But when you exercise and when you're fit, you literally, the body, um, the body provides you with um, dopamine. It provides you with um, chemicals and energy that just make you feel good. So you've heard the runner's high. Well, it's yeah. not just, you know, psychology, you know, it's, you know, endorphins actually are, you know, which are intended to um, numb the pain. You know, you, you've got endorphins. So you, you physically feel more active. You physically feel more fit. You physically feel more energy and more engaged in life. And during this down period, even though veterans games aren't happening and the world championship games aren't happening and 15 other events that I was going to compete in, it's really reinforced the fact that I'm not doing this for the competition. I love the team. I love my coach. I love to go to the competitions. I'm doing this because it allows me to stay in the game and to stay active and to, you know, avoid, you know, depression times, you know, that naturally might come, you know, when we're isolated as we are. So happy is one of them, and um, long way, long way around the bend to answer the question in terms of a tip. But I'll, in my philosophy of the most complex thing is keep it simple, and I'll keep it simple with this one word, three letters. Are you ready? I'm ready. <laughs> okay. Act. Act. Yeah. Just do something. <laughs> In fact, exactly. The acronym is Action Changes Things. Action Changes Things. You know, and I actually thought about this today. I was talking to Karen. I said, you know, I was, I was on my, you know, I, I did a workout yesterday and I was looking at my smartphone and seeing the activity level and blood pressure and all that stuff that people that are crazed like me do. And I said, activity. Well, hey, there, there's that word again, you know. Act is the first three letters of activity. And I said, act is also the first three letters of action, right? So action changes things. And the reason that is so important is that you have to start moving, whatever that means to you. You have to start to get that momentum. And when you feel like, and the committees at work telling you, you really don't need to do this today. Just start to move. And perhaps when you start to move, you're not feeling good. And maybe you should take the time off. But um, ACT is probably the one word that I would use to kind of encapsulate the whole new Heart for Life brand and the brand of the 21 fitness principles.
Yeah, no, that's, that's extremely, extremely good advice, extremely expiring. You know, whether you're, you're power walking like your wife or, or running a marathon at all just starts with that first step. So acting, I, I think, is, is huge. I can't imagine, you know, all, all these years ago with, with your daughters and your wife seeing you in that, that hospital bed, if they just kind of sit back and think now and, and see where you're at, you know, inspiring others, going out and competing, I'm sure they've just got to be extremely, extremely proud. That's just, that's just so amazing. Yeah, they're, they're proud. And they're also, I've done the benefit of relieving them of the anxiety of worrying about their dad. Yeah. You know, you know, it's, you know, kids naturally worry about their parents and parents obviously, you know, love and worry about their children. So, you know, the beauty is that, you know, my daughters aren't sitting around going, you know, when the phone rings, you know, that, that, that phone call, you know, I used to call them, you know, pre this, pre, pre new heart for life. And it'd be like, how you doing? Are you okay? You know, you feeling okay? You know, like, is everything okay? And, and now they, they, they don't have that stress and worry because they see me, you know, doing podcasts, hearing me doing podcasts. They see um, me out there inspiring other people. And um, I do, I do believe they're proud and I, um, and I'm proud that they're, they're, they're less anxious and worried about, about their dad. There's enough things out there for these kids to really be, um, to be worried about. And I don't want to be one of them. Absolutely. So I want to be uh, conscious of your time. So if you would just kind of let us know how we can connect with you, you further, obviously your, your book that's coming out, you know, if people are listening to this and think, man, Dan is just an inspiring guy. I need to hear as much from him as possible. Let us know how we can connect. Okay. Um, well, the digital book, it's, it's the, um, it's a combination of, I wrote the script for each one of the principles, the mm -hmm. one word principles, and I videotaped those out at the track. So it's a combination of the text and me out there on the track, two minute video lengths. So the book contains text, video, and it also will have podcast clips like the ones that we're doing right here that um, talk about the principles. So it's a kind of people digest information in different ways and how they can obtain the book, which is complimentary. It's, it's pay it forward. This is paying it forward for mm. what I've been given. It's a free book, um, newheartforlife.com. So www.newheart4life.com. Go to that site. There'll be a, um, uh, a button there. You click on that, put in your first name and your email address. You'll not only will get a free complimentary copy of the book talking about the principles and actually see me on video talking about them. Uh, I will start to on a regular basis provide because this new Harper life story is going to continue and continue and continue as long as um, I'm, I'm here to share that story. So I'll also be able to provide information on a regular basis in terms of health, fitness, tips, and just personal stories of what I'm going through and build, you know, my vision is to build a fitness community and let people, you know, understand that, Hey, being 65 is not the end of the world. I can do this. So uh, newheartforlife.com. Very good. Well, I appreciate your time today. It's been really, really great to talk to you. It's been an honor to talk to you. So thank you so much for, for spending a little bit of time with us. 
Well, thank you, Jackson. And I always close with um, to your and your audience's new heart for life. Love it. Thank you very much. And that was my interview with Dan Williams. Amazing guy. Really, really fascinating. The, the you know the the things that he overcame and and just his his understanding that uh, he was slipping back into to some of his bad habits, um, just a, a really eye opening and inspiring guy. Urge you to go out and 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 pick up that uh, that ebook that he's got completely free like like he mentioned. So uh, there, there's really no harm in, in checking it out. Hope uh, he inspired you to uh, you know find a, a an active purpose again whether it's just. Uh, you know, walking around the block, being a, a mall walker, just, uh, you know, finding something that you're passionate about that you don't even realize you're exercising uh, when you're doing. Uh, I think that it's, uh, it, it just, it just goes to, to help create a, a, a better life, uh, a, a more vibrant life. Um, so hope you enjoyed this, uh, this interview. Definitely enjoyed speaking with him. Thanks so much for listening. I really appreciate you being here. Hopefully we'll catch you next time and take it away, Chris. This has been Not in a Huff with Jackson Huff. Thank you for listening. Be sure to join us next time where we will interview another amazing guest who is sure to make you laugh or make you think, or hey, maybe even both. But until then, keep being awesome.